Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. I admire people who make no apologies for who they are and what their core values represent. These people, in my opinion, are the ones who are vulnerable enough to sing their own song to their own tune, yet have the patience and empathy to stop, look, and listen to what the world has to say. Molani Sibyl and I got connected via a mutual acquaintance over WhatsApp. From the very start, there was a special sense of connection and mutual respect that went beyond the texts and quips and bubbly quirks that made her stand out. For me, at least, there was more to it. Over the course of our many conversations, I got to meet and engage with a person who, from humble, challenging, and yet defining beginnings, set a course from her native Nigeria to continuing her higher education in the U.S. that would align with her sense of commitment, resilience, and growth. As an accomplished scholar, she holds a Ph.D. as an assistant professor at the University of Oklahoma Health and Sciences Center, with work focusing primarily in the health economics and outcomes research area. As an avid reader, she lists books among her most prized possessions, something else we are both very much in accordance with. As a lover of languages, she piqued my curiosity as, in preparation for this interview, I got curious and tried my luck at a few words in her native Yoruba, as well as her adopted second language, Korean. As a fellow podcaster, Mo is the host of the wonderful More Civil podcast, where she and a gallery of wonderful culture nomads get to exchange on a variety of issues related to third culture. This was a treat of an exchange, as the opportunity to sit and listen to a person with such sensibility and truth is a true privilege. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 117 with Molani Sibyl. Here we go. First of all, it's really thrilling to exchange with someone who I have so much fun interchanging with. I know your parents tell you over time that, no, talk to strangers. And, you know, you're brought up to just like, hey, you know, so it's like, be mindful of yourself. But in this age of, you know, connection and I don't mean to be all woo-woo, but, you know, with all so much technology and with this fallacy of Instagram and likes and personalities and online personas and branding, when you connect with a natural human being who's so level and so, so real, whether on WhatsApp or, you know, interacting via Zoom, Mo, it's a pleasure to connect with you and welcome you on the Awakening the Awesome podcast, man. Thank you so much for being here. I really, 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 really do appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to, you know... Um talk to you on the show <laughs> it is it is it is a thrill it is a thrill because definitely when we connected over the whatsapp group and i'm like okay there are a lot of people in this group there are some people who are really shy and there are some people who are really bubbly and outbursty <laughs> and who have such a fiery personality about them and that stand out and that was my first connection with mo and i'm just like wow this is a person Who's definitely on my level? She's my kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And thanks for bringing that out of me. Because I was laying so dominant in that group for so long. Because I just want to... You know how you, if you're the only person that you think you're the only person, and you don't want to be too crazy enough so they don't kick you out because you're really great, getting a lot from the group? But when you came in and you changed the game, I was like, oh, yeah, there goes my person right there. 
Definitely, definitely. Because <laughs> I definitely believe that, you know what, we only have one life to live. And if you're going to be part of a community, that's cause that's how it used to be back in the day, yeah, right? Yeah, or whether on message yeah. boards or anything, you have yeah. to interact with people. And it starts mm-hmm. with stepping out of your comfort zone. And I was wondering, was that something that you came into? Or have you, you know, to the best of our knowledge, have you always been like that? Well, um, it's funny you asked me this question because I was still thinking about it yesterday. Like, um, just how I think my personality changed over time. Mm-hmm. So uh, this might come as a shocker for those that know me. They might be listening to this. But I was an awfully shy kid. I was that child that even though I was shy, I was very precocious. Like I knew so much about so many stuff. I was an avid reader. I would, you know, consume volumes of encyclopedia, encyclopedias. Um, and it, is it DS or is that an, an S or, at the end or not? But whatever. And dictionaries and read the back of cereal boxes and soaps and everything. Like I knew so much about the world around me. But every now and then, I would just blurt something out that would, like, shock the adults in the room, like, that came from you? Like, how did you know that and all of that? And so, but I realized that with, like, extroverts, I knew quicker on, like, as a kid, that extroverts really had a way of just performing in such a way that people liked you, you know? Now, I'm not trying to bash introverts. I think that, you know, God <laughs> made us, you know, uniquely, you know, different, and everyone brings something to the table. I believe that. Like the world needs, you know, extroverts as much as an introverts. But I realized that for me, I had the potential to be a little bit more outgoing. I just wasn't living up to my full potential as a way. And so I slowly, I found my personality just changing. It wasn't like consciously done, like, you know, you have to be an extrovert. You have to be an extrovert. I didn't even know what the word was, you know, for extrovertish or introvertish. But I knew that I had a lot of stuff in my, you know, um, a lot of, I, I want to say, um, arrows in my quiver to like get the job done. And of course, I'll credit my teachers as well. They saw that potential in me. So um, many times I stood in front of the school, like assembly, I dressed the school. I did, um, I was in the debate team. They put me there. Um, I did the recitations. I, I did so many things. Like, you know, they just, they kept pushing me to do this stuff. And I realized that people liked you when you just, you know, lived up to whatever it is you were living up to. So yes, I started out really shy and you could call me an introvert then. But as time went on, um, I think I'm fully blown um, extrovert. But I still don't really think I'm all that extrovertish because I still have my downtimes. So I'll consider myself an ambivert, you know, uh, with a strong tendency for extrovertism and all that. So yeah, I love it. I love it so much. And I'm happy that you bring that up. For those of us listening who are always on, let's just say, the fence about stepping outside of your comfort zone, because I often like to tell people, you don't know unless you try. And as dumb as that sounds... You really have to understand that we're part as human beings. We're, we, you know, we're on a path towards growth. And I want you to speak on that in regards to, okay, I'm aware of myself. I'm aware of the fact that I may be a bit different and I can either, you know, just fall into my little corner, my little cocoon and be ashamed of it, or I can bloom. And I want us yeah. to, and I wonder if you could just help us lean in to that. For those of us still hesitant about, you know, leaning into who we are and exploring our full potential. How do we do that? That's a very, that's a very good question, Olivia. And I'll just, I mean, I won't call myself as, as an, an expert on, you know, life development and all that, but I'll just use my own story. And I credit my friends also for bringing this story out of me because there's some things that I found that was so effortless for me. And I didn't think it was a big deal, you know, but my friends would tell me that, no, like, you were so good at this, I cannot even pull it off. And so I started seeing that opportunity to help those around me to be able to at least rise, you know, above whatever they're going through. 
and be able to stand up and, you know, speak for themselves. So it's, it, it had to be communication, you know, and, and being quite assertive. Um, I grew up in a way, um, my childhood was interrupted for some things that happened growing up. And so I lost my voice along the way. But in my circle of friends, I could be who I wanted to be. You know, I had friends that thought, you know, I was like the next best thing since life's bread. For those that might be listening or those that might know me, I think I, I'm so full of myself. Well, I blame my my friends. They just made me feel like I could do anything I wanted to do. And so, um, so like, I feel like whatever we are good at, we can definitely show others around us like the pathway to that. And so um, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, there's always something that you feel like you're putting at the back of the, you know, um, at the back of the burner. Like you feel like, no, I cannot do this. I'm always a proponent for just, just try it. You know, you never know. Fine, you might feel at like it, but failing at something is still part of the whole process. What if your, um, what you gained as far as the process that took you to accomplish that or not accomplish it, that could be, you know, your training. That could be something you could apply to something else. So um, I'm known for taking risks and I'm known for just taking the plunge. And I've had friends just reach out to me and be like, you know what, anytime I want to give up, I think about you. Because I know that, that I have a friend that always says, I always think, like, what would more do? Like, you know, almost like WWJ. Wow. And, and I'm, like I said, I didn't think I even, it was something worth commending. Until I had a lot of my friends like telling me that, like, you know what, I took that position, I actually applied for this thing because I know that you would have wanted me to do that. Or you would, I know that it's something you would do if you really want. So that kind of thing. I feel like as, as we share our processes to those around us and they share their processes as well, we get better. I'm not saying you should do everything I do or copy me, you know, you know, word for word. No, find your own process. But at least the way things can be got, gotten, that, the way things we can get to do stuff as far as our processes are, our ways of just attacking problems or just, you know, badging the door open and not even caring. I think that's something that I, I can, you know, show my friends, you know, just be bold and go for it. Find them. I tell you no, but at least you tried. That is one of the pillars of the many conversations that we have in this podcast. Um, I you have no idea how many people come on here and at some point along, you know, just sharing their journey with us, they always yeah. come back with the people they surround themselves with. So yeah. that can either be a gift and a curse so I'd like you to just open up about, you know, and reaffirm to people, if you will, how important is it, the people you surround yourself with? So I grew up, my parents were, I wouldn't call them poor. Um, they were, they had just enough for us to so like go to good schools. And that was the only thing my parents could give us, the legacy of a good education. So my dad worked in a bank. My mom was a civil engineer. They were the first people in their, you know, in their family to, you know, go through college. And so yeah. you can... Imagine that they had no intergenerational wealth to fall back on. And so they struggled a lot. My dad started working in his teens and, you know, worked all his life in a job that he apparently didn't like, but I didn't know. And we, so we had a lot of bad, like our housing situation was so bad that I couldn't invite, invite my friends to school. But, you know, my parents, because that was all they could do. Every money went into sending us to expensive schools. Because in my country, if you don't have a good foundation for your education, oh my gosh, it's like, good luck to you. Sounds so familiar. Oh, yeah. But I knew that my environment, where we were, wasn't, that wasn't going to be my projection in life, you know. And my, my parents, you know, they were always very quick to let us know that, like, do not, you know, think, because, I mean, my mom would say things like, you're not a product of this environment. You're not a product of this environment. Case in point, a lot of people that I grew up with, they didn't finish college. And I'm not trying to say this to bash them. A lot of them, you know, had kids in their teens. And a lot of them ended up in, you know, situations where if I were to keep talking about them right now, you know, it would really break my heart. But that was just that. But I looked beyond that. And I credit, you know, just my teachers in school and the 
the kids I went to school with, you know, these were really rich kids that would go to the U.S. on holiday and, you know, you know travel around the world. And I, the only place I could get into was on the bus to see my cousin that lived, you know, like two villages down the street, that kind of thing. But um, I had teachers that really saw that potential in me and then offering me up to, like, you know, give speeches or do debates or, you know, give recitations. I saw that they saw that in me. And I remember then um, I was that kid that my my the principal of my school or the headmistress then as well, she would um, allow me to come into her office and I would you know just sit down in her office in the corner of her office, and then read all the books that she had on there. And and the more I read about the world around me and even beyond me, I knew that it was possible for me to you know rise above my situation, like the housing situation that we had, because that was very that was like a, a pain point for me. I just didn't like where we, why I grew up. I didn't like the house. I didn't like the environment. I didn't like the streets. It was just, you know, there was just so many precautions. The, um, sorry, pre, um, pre, what's the word? I forget the word right now. So many dangerous situations to put a child mm-hmm. through. But, you know, that was the best my parents could do. And um, also through church, I got good mentors as well. And, you know, the, the, way, the way you sing and the people that you put around you, they have a way of informing your process. So you cannot afford to put in toxic people in your circle now we couldn't help you know i couldn't do anything about my environment because as a child i relied on my parents to give me that sustenance and i wasn't going to bash them even though i did that as a kid i didn't i didn't understand why we couldn't just move away you know but as i grew older i realized that you just couldn't because everything they had they put into school you know for me and my two brothers and so i talk about that a lot now like you know i didn't know a lot of sacrifices my parents made they could have been a bought a better house and, you know, lavish all of that away and nobody would have known, but we would have suffered for it. But mm-hmm. as I grew older, I realized that, okay, I cannot change my environment, but internally and in my circle, I could be very, um, as far as selfish to find out who I included there. So, you know, um, I, I saw things that happened around me, but I didn't let that, you know, dictate my situation. I didn't want to be a helpless victim, basically. That was what that, but I won't credit myself only as a person that, you know, rose above that. You know, my teachers from school, my, my mentors from church, and also I was part of different organizations growing up. And because of my love for reading and for just, you know, learning about the world around me, books, you know, kept me safe from the streets. Like, that's just the truth of it. Reading about books, reading about people and stories and all of the processes they've been through really helped me. And even now as an adult, um, I'm very careful about who I, I'm someone that is very friendly. I walk in, into a room, I'll talk to you, think you've been friends for years. But mm-hmm. it's very hard for you to come into my circle. Like, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm that guarded about it. Because when you're in my circle, we're family. Like, you know everything about me. And I'm mm-hmm. quite open about my processes. But you're only as good, as strong as the people in your circle. Because they inform your process. And so if they're poisonous, guess what? You start living that life. I have friends that are so quick to call me out when I'm doing something wrong. I mean, they love me. You know, they'll, they'll be the first people to tell me, no. That was wrong, and you did wrong. And I did that. I put those parameters in place so that as time goes on and I'm finding myself growing, then I'm growing in the way that I've wanted to grow. Not because Check yourself. I'm, exactly. So who are you putting in your life? Like, who are your checks and balances? And so we do that. And so when you hear my friends talk, talk to me about things I don't do right, if you're an outsider, I'd be like, wow, her friends are mean. No, we're just, we've just really been, we've, we've sworn an oath that we're going to keep telling ourselves the truth. I'd rather, you know, you tell me the truth right here than go outside and hear it from somebody else or not hear it from somebody else and I keep living that life. So, yes, I have, you know, trimmed down my circle to have those kind of friends that they can call me out. They don't even care how star-studded I am or how awesome or fantastic I am. 
they will burst my bubble in a bit. And I love that about them. So shout out to those friends, you know, yourselves. That is spectacular. That is spectacular. And there's one, I, well, there's, there's so many gems you just dropped there, but there's one I can't get away from the fact that, and I really know that a lot of people wrestle with this. And you talked about, we talked about our environment and how it basically shapes our vision of the world yeah. and what type of goggles we choose to wear in regards to yeah. how we interact with the world. But there's yeah. one very important thing that you said in regards to you are aware that you have bigger dreams for yourself. You have bigger goals for yourself. You want to elevate yourself because as much as you recognize the environment that you're a part of, it does not have to be the end all and be all of your reality. And a lot of people, unfortunately, get frozen down by the fact that it's, a, it's as if you want to apologize for wanting more. You want to apologize for elevating yourself. You want to apologize for having different aspirations. And you know what? That's something that you had obviously have to wait through. And there's something you actually came out the other end. And I want you, if you can actually help us, you know, the listeners, to actually understand that, no, you shouldn't apologize for wanting more because if that's what you want, you need to go for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, some days I sit down and be like, I've come a long way from that child. Like, I wanted so many things as a kid, but I knew I couldn't get it because my parents just couldn't afford it. But um, what they gave me was a little more priceless, and that was the gift of education. Because when I was a kid, I didn't understand why we couldn't, like, so my school, they would take, you know, field trips to, like, South Africa, but my parents were like, sorry, we cannot go. The time they went to London, we couldn't go. And that's kind of school that I went to, you know, <laughs> which, you know, uh, it tells you the quality of education way back then in the 90s. And, um, but I didn't know why I was, I would, you know, imagine us not being one of the few kids that stayed at home when your other classmates went on excursions. But, you know, as I grew older, I realized that, well, they would have loved to send me across the world, but they just couldn't afford it. And the, the, the what they paid for as far as education, it still keeps, you know, it's, it's the return on investment to date. It's just, you know, they can't even count it, you know. Because I have been able to take, and my, some of my brothers rather, and together with me, we were able to take that gift and just multiply it. That's the gift of education. So when it came to applying to grad school, I just didn't think of it like the girl that grew up in that place. I went to the best. So I applied to the top 10 schools and um, got into UT Austin, which, you know, I mean, really forged my career path to date. Because the, the, the rigor of the training and, and the education you get from there in your PhD program, is one that shapes you and sets you for life. And so with that, I was able to start building my upward mobility, you know, to where I am today. So yes, um, I just want to encourage us that are listening. Um, I don't like talking about sub stories, but I think sometimes they need to be sold, they need to be told because we see the glory, but we forget about, you know, the processes that were formed behind it. And if I can do it, that girl that grew up in a very rough area of town and with the um, gift of education bestowed to her by her parents and being able to multiply that, I mean, you can do it as well. And so today I have very good mentors. You know, I just got my first um, Department of Defense, the DOD grant to do um, my research in prostate cancer. About Congrats, half a, um, man. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, I mean, it was my first major grant and it was a lot of zeros at the end. And FYI, for those who's into it, the money doesn't go to me, okay? It goes to the school. But I was the one that brought it in. So I don't want anyone to even be like, hey, I didn't want it from you. But yeah, um, good mentorship and just people believing in me. And that has, you know, continually to serve me. And so for parents that listen to this, if all you can give your kids is education and not, you know, fine dresses and, and expensive vacations, it's okay. 
I mean, my parents didn't have Instagram then to like, you know, boast about things they're buying for their kids. I can't even imagine the pressure parents are going through these days. I pray those that are not very financially buoyant. Just keep doing the best you can. But I always, always believe in education. I mean, I work as a professor in a pharmacy right now. And it's why and the reason I'm actually in, in academia is because I believe in education. I believe in transforming minds. And even through my podcast, I've raised money, charity for sending orphans and widows and those that are social, um, socially disadvantaged back to school because I do really believe in education. I strongly believe it because without that, I wouldn't be here today. Amazing. Amazing. Because it's such a wonderful mission. And, you know, throughout your entire background and your career and, you know, just, you know what I love? And, you know, you say it in every single episode of your podcast, which you guys definitely should check out. I'm definitely going to drop links at the end of the episode. Thank you. But definitely, definitely. What I love is that you never fail to, you know, just shout your many accomplishments. Check it out. <laughs> PhD in pharmacy, Nigerian born, US educated, Korean speaking, wandering intellectual. Professor of pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you know what? Might as well. If you're going if you went through that much trouble and you put in that much investment in yourself to educate yourself, to elder to elevate yourself, to push yourself and to keep growing, you need to sing your praises. And this is why I invite people, never apologize for who you are. Never water down all that you've achieved. But really, first of all, why Korean? Why, why Korean? Like out of everything, because my sister studied in Seoul uh, for for uh, for like four years. She was she went to Seoul University. Oh, nice! But, <clears throat> but she actually told me, as a fact, Korean is one of the most hardest, like one of the hardest languages to actually you know grasp. And I'm like, okay, Mo, why Korean? <laughs> why? <laughs> um, the question should be why not Korean and my response to you is very well why not Korean <laughs> I mean it's such a beautiful language have you heard this spoken before yeah um, <laughs> yes, yes I have okay so um, for me my my path towards Korean was just kind of weird okay first off I didn't care much about the country the few times I heard about Korea was when we had the Korea Japan um, coalition um, games at the was it the FIFA or World Cup? Something like that. It was that? a World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, World so Cup. Yeah, and Nigeria was, you know, going to play because we love soccer in Nigeria. So, mm-hmm. you know, I started here in Korea, Japan, Korea, Japan. I was like, okay. So, I mean, that was just it. And if you're a Nigerian growing up in Nigeria, everybody from Asia was just one word. We just called them Chinese people. Like, that was the term we used for all of them. We didn't try to delineate between, you know, those who are from East Asia, Southeast Asia, or Southwest. We it didn't care. We it didn't matter to us. And so, um, I'm a curious learner, right? And language, as an Nigerian, you're born with that gift of um, being a dual language um, speaker. So I speak English, obviously. I'm speaking in English right now. And I speak Yoruba, which is um, a Nigerian language from those mm-hmm. that are predominant in the southwest of the country. And in primary school or grade school, like Americans would call it, we're offered French, which, you know, I had to take because it was what was offered. We didn't have like a plethora of options to go through. And so I started learning French. And I learned French up until pharmacy school because I started taking summer classes, but I wasn't quite good at it. Um, I could speak it. I could um, read it. I could even pray in French. I was that good at it, but I didn't explore the culture of the French people. It didn't excite okay. me. French wasn't a, con- a language that I took up on. It was something that I had to you know, take, but I, I wanted to apply myself so much that even after school was over, after I passed all the exams, I still went, you know, I still found ways to improve my French by going to summer school. But since I didn't have any French speakers to engage with, I started dropping it one by one. And, you know, 
right now I say I speak 3.25 languages. 0.25 of that is, you know, it's French because, you know, I don't speak it fluently as before, but I can still read it and I can still grasp some sentences. Now, fast forward, you know, many years later, I was in grad school taking a, a start course with one of my um, colleagues who is Korean. And I told her to pass me her note after class because I wanted to fill in the gaps that I had missed. And I see on top of her note, she had doodled some things. They were like sticks and words and I'm like, and circles. I'm like, what the heck is that? She's like, oh, that's my language. I'm like, huh? You can read that? She's like, yeah, I wrote it. I can read it, duh. I'm like, huh, so weird. And I just, you know, remember, I remember just laughing and she laughed at me. <laughs> and then that was it, you know. And then three years later, we ended up being roommates together in Boston when we got an internship with a biotech company. And, you know, cost of living is so expensive with Boston. So we stayed together and she brought in her rice cooker, of course. And every day when, when I go back from work, there was ho- always hot rice ready for her. And I spoke in Korean and she would offer me some of the food. Um, they had rice. They had all kinds of side dishes with the, that they call benchans. And um, I'm still having conversations. I'm like, you guys eat rice every day? She's like, pretty much. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, as a Nigerian, we eat way too much rice. That Every time I had, like, a spoon of rice, I have to, like, say Hail Mary because it feels that so sounds simple. sounds way too familiar. Exactly. And I'm like, how come you guys eat so much rice and you stay this skinny? Like, show me your ways, you sorceress. And apparently in Korea, I mean, even though they eat rice, but they flip the pyramid around. Rice is a side dish. It's not the main dish. So Nigerians, take notes. You could actually eat rice every day, but just don't eat it like you eat it right That's now. That's your main course. Exactly. And they will have like, you know, um, vegetables and proteins and all of the um, just different things that you put in your mouth. Or it was like a fiesta of some sort. And I wanted to know so more. So food was the way into the Korean culture for me. And the more we talked about stuff, about our family, how we grew up, the more I realized that, my gosh, our moms are both crazy. Like, almost like her mom could be swapped with my mom. Like, they had the same tics and, you know, things like that. I realized that we had so much things in common. But if we just looked at us typically, like, you know, face rally, you wouldn't even see those, you know, similarities. And I think that was when the idea for my podcast really started brewing. Because we started having conversations, you know, about things we go through and the pain points we had and, and the otherness we had being not from the U.S. as well. And then we started watching Korean drama together, which, you know, uh, if anybody's venturing into that, um, tread carefully because you're never going to get out. It's a trap. It's a lovely trap, but it's, a non, it's an addictive one, addictive it is. one it is. nonetheless. But um, and I realized that, okay, I want to keep watching these videos and all of that. But I don't want to have to give my 100% attention to it. So I toyed with the idea of learning the language. I was like, ah, no, I can't do it. It's just so stressful. And I just couldn't do it. And then three years later, in 2017, I was switching from my um, student visa to a working visa then. And so I couldn't do anything. I had to stay at home for about two months. And I hate being idle. I, I just My brain has to be engaged in some sort of exploration. Or I really get depressed. No joke about that. So I was going to bed, it was 11 p.m., PM, 11 p.m., I was going to bed, and I got an email on my phone from Coursera. Um, I had taken some courses on Coursera before, mm-hmm. um, but it was mostly like your own negotiation or, you know, data analytics, nothing on language. And I, I got this, you know, courses recommended for you, and I scrolled down, learn Korean 101, and I wrote my eyes, like, oh, who learns languages online? Idiots. Why don't I just go to a real country or a real school and learn a language? Like, I was just that person that I didn't think you could learn a language online period. But I was like, you know, what the heck? I'm going to just give it a shot. So I click on the link and 
I opened it on my phone. I was like, oh, I can't see very well. I need to, I need a bigger, you know, interface. So I plopped up on my computer and typed in the, um, anyways, an hour later, Olivier, I learned the alphabets. Wow. This time around, it was just the beauty of the language and how King Sejong, he's the one that actually um, wrote the language. So uh, a little fact is Korean has been through a lot. You know, they were colonized by so many people. They, they started learning, I mean, Chinese character, which is still used today, in, as far as call, they call it Hanja, was how they read. And then it was only the elites that could read and write. The poor people couldn't. And so the king, being frustrated with that, he wanted to raise the literacy le- levels of the poor people as well. He decided to invent a language. And in his words, a wise person should be able to learn it by the end of the day and a foolish person by the next day, something like that, I paraphrase. But he wanted a word, a language, a system that was so simple that everybody could grasp. And now, yes, for non-English speakers, for English speakers, Korean language might be very difficult. But once you learn the, the code behind it, it's so easy, you know. And so that hour that I spent, I was able to see that, you know, and the, the way you sound it is the way the sound. There's no intonation. There's no. There's nothing like that as far as inflection points that you have to like consider when you're speaking the language. I mean, I speak mm-hmm. Yoruba. Yoruba is very torn out. So my phone name is Motolani's Remi Mimi. Like you have to sing song, like in a way, when you're calling out names. But with Korea, it's so flat. Like it's just, you you speak it like you see it. And and so as I learned the language, I started, you know, engaging with people in the culture, you know, through food, through their politics, through the economic development. As a Nigerian, looking at the story of how Korea was able to develop to becoming one of the powerful houses we see today, gives me so much hope knowing that Someday my country would get it right as far as good governance and, you know, education and, you know, um, just development because we have this potential. So for me, Korea is just, it's, it's beyond just you love the language. I love the story of Korea. Now, there's some things about Korea that really worries me as far as, you know, just, I mean, countries are like that. And some good things about some countries and bad things about some countries. But mm-hmm. I, I like those the similarities and the things I'm able to learn you know, as far as exploring Korea through the language. And so unlike French, which, you know, didn't really, I didn't have that cultural exploration piece. With Korea, is a lot more. I have friends there. I have, you know, almost like families. I have a Korean name. My husband and I, as a matter of fact, we're going to Korea, which I call my second home um, this summer, hopefully when this virus thing clears. So, yeah, and I give credit to my Korean friends for helping me as well to, you know, be firmly rooted in this, you know, exploration. So you really made it your own. I did. I did. That is a wonderful thing. See, what does that say? Because that definitely speaks into your personality in regards to being so open. And, you know, we're definitely supposed to take notes, guys, in regards to never, never put yourself in a corner to the point where you can't be malleable, whether with your heart or your mind or your words or your actions. We're we are human beings. We're supposed to adapt. And if we can take more as an example, because you've worn so many hats. And as you say, you've, you're a wandering intellectual, not just through your love of books, but also through your experiences and the con- different connections mm-hmm. that you bring, you know, not just into interaction, but also with your wonderful podcast, because you even put it in your byline, basically, you know, different cultural experiences, you know, people's experiences. And, you know, you definitely put an emphasis on, uh, on women and, you know, like, you know, the plight of women and, you know, different experiences in there. But you have such a great catalog of guests, man. There was one I was <laughs> just you. listening to. Um, just before we got on the call, because, you know, I like to keep up with my friends. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it hit home because uh, I, the, the one, um, what, I forgot his name. Uh, Dominican Republic, uh, the Dominican Republic ADHD expert. 
Oh yeah, 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 Doctor Manuel Mota. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Especially I can because, imagine that uh, as a parent, that probably hits yeah. home as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that hit home because uh, mm-hmm. my daughter uh, was within the spectrum, and so far we're trying to manage that because it's totally new to us. Um, oh, but you know, it's not labeling it as a condition, but it's something that mm-hmm. we have to navigate also, but not just for ourselves, but mm-hmm. for her as well. So it was a lot. Thank you so much for bringing that to the forefront because there's a lot of misconceptions yeah. and that's the wonderful warmth that I appreciate in your exchanges because you really take off the layers, you know, bringing on the seriousness of it. You know, one of my favorite ones was definitely the stories about immigration, the five yeah. stories Thank that you. was so intimate and so powerful. You guys should definitely check it out. And definitely, um, why did you want to start the podcast? What did it mean so much to you to bring all these human experiences to the forefront? <sighs> Um, I think for me, it's that curiosity that I, I've always had about things, you know, around the world. Even when I, I knew that where I was, you know, I go back to my story again, because that's where it all started. Through the books, like books had that will just teleporting me. And I could imagine myself in different scenarios. Like, even though I couldn't travel miles away with the book, I could travel like hundreds of miles away. So when I started meeting people, I knew about countries, I knew about, you know, a lot about people's culture and countries, so much so that when I met them for the first time, I'm like, oh, I know that about your country. I know that your prime minister was blah, blah, blah. I'm like, how did you know them? I'm like, well, I just know because I've been reading, you know? And so um, I'm through that curiosity and the conversation that I had with my friends in closed doors. I realized that with the tension that was brewing in the U.S., you know, with us versus them, just name any category, you know, black, white, you know, left, right, yellow, purple, that, you know, while we're still trying to figure out just, you know, it's okay for me to disagree with you, but I don't have to cut you off and label you like Hitler. How do I show that we are all in this together? And I know this is just a perfect time with the virus brewing and all that. There's no perfect way to kind of, you know, emphasize that message. So my podcast really started as a way to explore that curiosity and to share processes. Because I really believe in that. And I believe in letting people know how you got there. And so even while you say I'm trying to like, you know, boast about myself, it was very uncomfortable for me to come out like that. But I had friends, my friends actually crafted that word for me. They're like, okay, no, you're going to write it this way because that's what you are. And so I, I always go back and give credit to them as well. You just listen to this. And and so, and I think, I think it also ties to the importance of having the right people in your in your, in your team, like codifying your network to have the right people, like your hype man, your, you know, someone that will bring you down when you're too hyped up. And so that's what, that's my podcast. Like it's, it's just a way to, you know, um, bring people to have discussions. Like you would not even know the people that I don't agree with, with on my podcast because we don't go on a shouting match. I always mm-hmm. believe that I, I'm not a custodian of truth. I don't think I know everything. Even the things I think I know, I don't think I'm 100% right about them. So I come, my approach is, you know, let's sit at the table. Sometimes it's a literal table between us, like my brown table. Some of you that follow me on, on Instagram, you see that I have a lot of discussions around food. So, I, you know, my husband and I, we like to like, you know, I cook a lot, but I cook broadly as well. And mm-hmm. so I, I bring in people from all over. We sit down. I, I always say I, I do like the poor man's version of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. I don't have the money or the, the backing network backing to travel the world, but I bring the world to my brown table. And then we explore topics through food. So I controversial issues, the things that people label, issues that I just think should be talked about rather than, you know, um, um, what's the word, mid-conflict issues about. I, mm-hmm. I like to engage in, because I really want to learn. Even though, at the end of the day, I might not agree with you. Guess what? You're so much more than that thought process. Because I still see, I see the soul and I see the essence of just being human. 
it's not just all of the ideas you have or the arguments you hold on to. It's like, what makes you tick? You have compassion, right? Fine. We don't agree on this topic. That's okay. We're always never going to agree on it. But I want to see more about you. And so that's what I do on the show. I want to show my listeners that it's okay to bring somebody from the other side of the you know, conversation, whatever that, what we're exploring, and for them to just talk about why they, how their processes are formed. Because there's always something you can learn from people that you don't even agree with. And so always. I explore culture. I explore you know, um, experiences. I've talked about grief. I've talked about personal issues like fertility, miscarriage, um, and all of that kind of stuff that as Africans or Black people, we don't like talking about. I talk about mental health, you know, things that I struggle with as well. Because I want people to know that beyond all of these things you see on Instagram and flashy pictures, there's a story behind it. So that way you can come with a full appreciation that I just, I'm not a self-made person one. I would never call myself that. Everyone that got me here and also all the processes that led to me being here. That's what my hope, I hope my, you know, my podcast will always show. It's a terrific mission that you're on because I can tell you from being a valid, avid listener that, you know, it's something that is very humbling to take a second and, you know, take out your ego, take out your pride, just open up your heart and curiosity and listen to more exchange with these various guests. As you said, there, I'm sorry, there are some very uncomfortable subjects uh, discussed and uncomfortable because a there, it's not something that, you know, that indirectly impacts us. But if you're curious enough to hear these conversations about openness and, you know, some people might have been abused and some people might have to deal with different circumstances, different than your own. That is how we connect. And there's no greater time right now to open up our hearts and our minds to the circumstances that others are dealing with. And that's one thing I'm really tipping my hat off to you for, because it's not easy to have these conversations. It's definitely something that a lot of people would not understand. Why would you make this so public? Why would you make a podcast about that? But just because these are conversations that you're right, need to be had, you know, and it's something that is definitely a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I want to thank you for that because it's not an easy thing to do, but you bring so much fun and so much personality and so much energy into it. It's a pleasure to have you as a host to guide us through it. And just throwing it, just throwing it out there. Have you had any particular no no favorite episodes? Uh, you know that uh, have been more noteworthy than others. Because yeah, I know as a podcaster, oh I'm asking God. you to like Is your babies. Asking, who's your favorite child? <laughs> all my kids are my favorite child. <laughs> um, I love all my episodes, and I don't say that just as a glib way of saying I love all my episodes. I love it because everyone that has been on the show has has had a level of trust in me to be able to do justice to their story. I have never had a guest come on and after airing their story, go like, I hate you for doing this to me. You're the worst person ever. No. Everybody always says, you know, thank you so much. You actually took the story that I did. I didn't even know I was going to talk about it. One, I didn't think I had a story to talk about. I said, don't worry. I, I, you have a story. Everyone has a story. My job is to polish you. I'm like a carpenter with a chisel. I'm going to chisel that story out of you. So that said, I love all my stories. But the one that I think, um, I have a couple ones that um, they, they are very pivotal to me because it was a turning point in my life. And the very, very first one was the one I did with my dad. And that would be episode 14 of season one. And for those that don't know, that was the first time ever I would sit down with my father and have a conversation longer than five minutes. And I wow. grew up as a child who, I, I wouldn't say I hated my dad, I just didn't know who he was, and I didn't have a good relationship growing up with him. Even though the, my parents have a what you call a happy marriage, but 
there was a disconnect with my dad and and the children. He was on his job, which I go back to, um, said put him in a situation where, you know, he will, he couldn't be there in person to be with us all the time and you know do stuff with us. But at the same time, um, he was just not emotionally available. And being the only girl and the first child, that really messed up my psyche. So I had a lot of you know issues growing up, like daddy issues. And so I got to a point where I realized that I was holding myself back as far as forgiveness. Because when you choose not to forgive somebody, you're holding yourself back too. And the moment I had that conversation with him, Olivier, and I hate to sound this cheesy, something opened in my heart. Like my something opened in my heart. Like I I I, I felt less tense. Like I don't know how to say it. I thought I was good before then, because I was quite successful, but I, there was a part of me that was being held back. And until I spoke to him and let him know just how much he hurt me and how his how his um absence created a void in my life that made me, you know, feel like I was less of a person. And I had to also listen to him because for the first time he told me what, you know, he was going through as well. And so I got off that conversation, you know, validating my emotions that I was right all along, but at the same mm-hmm. time that he had a reason for doing that. I didn't know how he grew up. He told me how he grew up and how those situations made him that way. And I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I'm glad he was able to tell his story and share his truth. And so for now, we're kind of good. We talk, you know, we're back to being, we're like friends now. Like, no, no, I won't call, her, call us father-daughter because I think that boat has sailed. I see him like like an uncle, like a friend, you know. We talk, I, I poke jokes at him because I get my sense of, of humor from my dad and he's, mm-hmm. he's so crazy about things like that. So we close now, we talk and I'm able to see him as a person and I mourn the childhood he never had because he did, did a lot better than his father, but I didn't see that. I didn't, I didn't think about his perspective growing up. I just compared him with things that were around me. So that's one. And that's that episode that I liked. And the other one I liked was in season two, actually the end of season one. And I called it um, a motherhood interrupted. I talked about my story uh, having in multiple miscarriages and mm-hmm. just, you know, the heartbreak that came with that. And that yeah, was personal for me because it was the first time I was ever coming out uh, publicly talking about it. And even as I'm talking to you right now, I'm teary eyed because I realized that I couldn't keep quiet for so long because a lot of people were going through this. One in four people you would meet would have had a pregnancy loss, but don't talk about it. And um, I spoke to an elderly person. She's probably in her 60s now. She's a grandma. She's almost 70. She's a grandma. She lost her child many years ago when she was still, you know, having kids. And she talked to me like almost like she still had that loss yesterday. This is someone that is accomplished with kids and grandkids, but she still remembers her pregnancy loss. And I still think about it like, okay, if this person that looks all good and all right still remembers yours, how much more, you know, this is still happening to me. Like, I don't have kids to show for it yet. And so I wanted to let people know that, fine, we can come out and talk about our stories. Like, it was something that happened to us in the past. Like, you know, well, I had this pregnancy loss, but here's my rainbow baby to, like, show for it. I don't have a baby yet. So I wanted to archive that process and to let people know that I go through stuff as well. And that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to feel like there's a part of you missing because you've lost that baby. And so that was one thing that I think I did for my for my listeners and the response. Oh my gosh, I had people emailing me and just telling me thank you because this was what I needed to hear. I've been going crazy with my thoughts, but you you sharing your story and your struggles really helped me to you know at least understand mine better. And it's so those important. are my favorite episodes. It's uh, thank you so much for sharing that, and I definitely you know know how much of. Um, very powerful, intimate, vulnerable moment. And it had to be, you know, for you to actually share that. And if there's one thing you learn through the art of podcasting is the fact that 
you're not such a special snowflake, as I like to say, that you're the only <laughs> one going through this, you know, yeah. and I'm not making light of any form of situation because, no, yes, some people have it worse than others, mm-hmm. but we can all connect on the same level of humanity, empathy mm-hmm. and experience. And we're all in this together. Something I like to say, because you need to open up and and, you know, we definitely reach each other on terms of mental health. You can't keep that stuff in because it will eat you alive it will destroy you and it will have unfortunately dire circumstances. And, you know, as a parting, you know, because definitely I want to keep my promise. I know you're very busy. I'm not going to take too much of your time, but (laughs) I wanted you to um, help us build on that, you know, in terms of fighting, finding, I'm sorry, that strength within us to face our fears and to look at ourselves in the mirror and accept the fact that, okay, this might not be a good day. This might not be a good, a good experience, but, we can rise from it. And how do we do that, Mom? Oh, um, I think number one is, it still goes back to surrounding yourself with the people that would need to bring you up. Um, I could have been lost, Olivia. There were sometimes my moment, my thoughts got dark and I was not in a good place, like mentally speaking. And my words were getting dark and my people around me saw that and they had to remind me of just who I am. And and so, um, and in so many ways, and my faith is also very important to me. So I credit that as well as a good, you know, resource system to like cope with all of these things. And in life, you go through challenges. I mean, that's just it. But I think in those moments of adversities, your your strength comes out. And I'm a living example of that. I've gone through such a lot, a lot in my life that if I were to talk about everything on this show right now, there won't be enough time for it. But I think then also lies the beauty of it because I have I have more compassion now from people. Like with the kind of gift I have for like, you know, getting stuff done and intelligence and all of that, I'm naturally impatient with people. Like it's like you don't get it, you're stupid. You know, I just move on with you. I don't care about you. But with my experiences, I've had to slow down a little bit and I've had to, you know, have that compassion. I can walk into a room and I can sense people. I can sense suffering in people because I know what suffering is like. And I thank God for that gift because if not for the painful things I've gone through, I won't be able to slow down and sit down and have these conversations with people. Because these are the things that still keep me up at night. The things that when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't like what I see sometimes because it's a striking reminder of things you don't have. But there's so much more to be thankful for. And so for those listening to this, you're probably you know, trying to rise above something. It gets better. Find somebody to talk to. I, I really believe in that. And I believe that the more you find people to talk to that can empower you, the better you're going to be for it. So don't close your mouth. There's a word, there's a phrase in my, in my language that a closed mouth is a closed destiny. Like open your mouth, find someone to talk to. If you don't have good friends, you know what? Talk to a bartender. They're obligated to talk to you, actually, through a couple of drinks, but don't drink too much. Um, find a therapist to talk to. Or if you want to talk to me about any of these things I've spoken to, like something about what I talked to today, I'm actually, I'm putting myself out there as a public resource. You can email me and I can find time to talk to you even if I don't know what to, how to help you. I know people that know people. That's the kind of resource I've been building all my life. I have a very go. strong network of connected There you people. go. We're all so connected. So find someone to talk to. You know, please don't live life alone. You know, build your community. And for those that are also listening, if someone tr- opens up to you about what they're going through, please don't betray their trust. Don't, you know, go about there and telling people in your other circles about what they're going through. It's worth making a lot of my, because I talk to a lot of, I'm, I'm, a lot of females, I have a ministry for females. I don't know why. 
I think I'm from everyone, but I think a lot of females resonate with me a lot. And one of the things they keep saying is that it's hard for me to open up because I did it one time and somebody betrayed my trust. So please don't do that. If you betray somebody's trust, apologize earnestly and don't do it again because that's what's keeping a lot of people from talking because they're you know, afraid of judgment, they're afraid of condemnation. But even if I will condemn you as a friend, I do it with love because I want you to grow. But all I'm just saying is find someone to talk to, a professional, a stranger. Or do you know how many conversations I've had with people in the, on the train or even while I was traveling on the plane? Like just someone you know you never see again and you just pour your heart out. I, I have done that many times. So find someone to talk to. I know that a good day doesn't mean you, you have, a bad day doesn't mean you have a bad life. Sleep it off and wake up the next morning and try again and try again and try again. We have so much to offer the world. You have so much. Take a list of your trusted friends and ask them, what's that one thing you think I do better than the rest of you? Just ask them that honest question. And be surprised at the things your friends will say to you. Let them speak true to your power. And that's what has helped me. I have friends that look at me and I wanted to reflect what they were seeing because I wasn't seeing that for a long time. You know, they were telling me, you're great at this, you get it. But I couldn't see that because I was just so messed up and, you know, so bogged down by my problems. So I always thank my friends. And by my friends, I mean my husband and my, and my circle of friends. They mirrored that for me. And so I wanted to see me through their eyes. And so I credit them for saving me, for rescuing me because I would have been long gone, Olivia. So, and that's what I want to keep emphasizing. Find the right people, guys. It's so worth it. Because you live in life alone, you need someone to cover your back. It's like you're walking through a jungle and there are, you know, arrows and spears and, and bullets everywhere. You need people to man you on all sides. And that's what community does for you. So I'm very, I'm very big on community. I help people find community and I grow community because I know that's one of the best things you can do for yourself. You cannot do life alone. I don't care how much money you have or how much wealth you're born into. You need people. You need people. You need yeah. people. And... There's definitely people like you that make this journey so worthwhile because through the connections that we've made and the interactions that we've had and the conversations just like this one that have been so worthwhile and so generous, I want to celebrate you for everything that you do, this wonderful mission that you set yourself on, and this wonderful availability that you have not just for your wonderful guests but for the world. And it's definitely something that I hope, an invitation, and I hope that all of us and the listeners who are tapping into this conversation might be going through something small or something big, especially with everything we're dealing with, with this COVID-19 pandemic, just yeah. raging at everybody's uncertainties. People need to know that there's someone out there could be Mo, could be somebody else, could be a next door neighbor, but don't go at this alone. And I want to thank you for reemphasizing that Mo. It's You're been welcome. a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous honor to have you on. You know, you. we've been connecting since like, you know, souls, not even, not even a year over WhatsApp, but, <laughs> but I feel like I know you forever. <laughs> it's, a, it's yeah. truly, it's truly something that I'm not, that I'm, I'm really not messing around with. That's something that really matters to me. It's someone that definitely on my level, my kind of crazy, my kind of dedicated, my kind of energy. And I really want to thank you for that. And again, I'm going to put myself on the spot because I'm going to butcher your language because I did prepare for this. I want to say <laughs> adupe for wow. being on the podcast so, <laughs> I, I hope Sammy I said that. it well you did, you I did hope I well. said it well so, I reply in, in Korean uh, thanks for the invitation <laughs> oh man 
But <laughs> it's, <laughs> it is truly, truly an honor and a gem uh, to have yeah. been able to share this uh, this space of time and space with you. And you. Uh, definitely, uh, again, I cannot you know congratulate you enough, congratulate you enough on all the success yeah. because it's a terrific mission, you know, throughout all your achievements and your journey thus far. And thank you so much for the inspiration. Thank you so much for the empowerment. And it's definitely something that I invite the listeners to actually check in. Go to the, the go to the website because it's definitely worth it. Most content can be found on her official website at mostsibyl.com. M-O-S-I-B-Y-L.com. But any particular, yes, this is the time for shameless plugging. Any particular <laughs> places that the listeners can find you. Well, before I say that, um, you know what? Um, I'm glad we're doing this today. And I think... It takes the gift of a very um, skilled podcaster to like bring out the story of people. And I'm not a, I won't call myself an easy person to crack, but your questions, Olivia, they're so insightful that, you know, it's just been so easy talking to you. And I think it's also born out of your passion to really awaken the awesome in us. So thanks for those questions and thanks for. Um, I feel I feel a lot, even though I've cried a lot just in your show. And it's been a while I cried on the podcast. <laughs> but I feel so much better. It's so cathartic talking to you and your voice, your words, how you choose them carefully. And even the ones that are rugged, it's all, you know, you have such a gift for questions and listening and attentiveness. So kudos to you as well for your platform. And I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you very much for the kind words. All right. So um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Mosibyl, M-O-S-I-B-Y-L. I'm sorry, M-O-S-I-B-Y-L, yes. And then you can also check out my website at www.mosibyl.com. And um, please email me at talktomulti, R-K-T-O-M-O, at uh, mosibyl.com. Or if you forget all of this, just reach out to Olivier. And I'll be more than happy to talk to as many of you as possible. If you want to come on my show as well to share your stories. I'm more than happy to engage in conversations. Even the ones I deem contro- excuse me, controversial, I don't think anything is controversial. It's just how we, you know, spin it. So anyways, it. thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. It's a pleasure. The honor is mine. Mo, again, adupe for being, for being on the podcast. <laughs> Guys, my wonderful guest, Molani Sibyl, definitely find her and hit her up on her main hub mosibyl.com i'll definitely link up all the web presences and all the available links on the website once it goes live guys as always another episode of awaken the awesome in the can as always take this powerful energy take this message take this mission take this energy within you i know this can be actually uncertain times but guys as always stay courageous stay brave stay vulnerable stay resilient put a smile on your face as always do please stay awesome This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.